Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. And so, as you know, we've been continuing with this current sermon series called The Enemy, right? Where we have been talking about the enemy on the inside, right? And too many times we give so much credit to Satan or Lucifer. And again, let me drop this little pin right here. That's not to deny that Satan, Lucifer does not have power or influence. We see this all the time. But listen, if you give place to the enemy, this is where the enemy begins to come into your life and wreak havoc and cause so much destruction because we made the decision to allow the enemy to come in. So if you don't give place to the enemy, the enemy has no authority to just come inside of your life. Amen. So I want you to keep that in mind. So the enemy that we're talking about is that inside you. It's that inside you and it's that inside me. That is the greatest enemy that we struggle with, right? And we talked about a various number of topics, you know, as we've been talking about the enemy, amen? And so I want to remind you of our foundational scripture, right, which is in Romans chapter number seven, verse number 18, right? Our foundational scripture, which is in Romans chapter number seven, verse number 18. And, and Paul begins to say, he said, for I know that in me, uh, listen, what I appreciate about Paul, he he has this, this, this uncanny ability to speak the truth about himself, this, he is unapologetically honest about what he deals with, regardless of what men or women are going to think about him. See, that's where many of us get caught up. We're so caught up and stuck on the opinion of other people, what they view or think about me or, or how they're going to perceive me, right? But Paul was so deliberate that he could talk about his issues and struggles confidently because he knew there was a God, a real God, that even though he was a man with real issues, there was a real God that had real ability to deliver him from his real issues and real struggles and real sins that he dealt with, right? So he says, for I know that in me, yeah, I'm not talking about what's in you, but I, I want to talk about what's in me, for I know that, 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 that I know that in me, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. So he's talking about this flesh, the enemy, this flesh, right? And flesh is simply uh, defined as this right here, right? We define flesh as, wait, I'm waiting on my, my definition, right? The sensuous nature of man, right? Uh, uh, definition number two, it is the animal nature with craving, which incite to sin. Or the earthly nature of man apart from divine influence, therefore prone to sin and opposed to God. Definition number four for flesh is human nature with its passions. Definition number five is simply being carnal minded. These definitions help us understand this flesh, this body that we have been wrapped in, that our soul and spirit man is wrapped in, that we deal with every day, this flesh that is prone to sin. So these definitions help us to see and understand a little bit more in detail what it is that we are wrestling with, what it is that we struggle with daily that, that tries to oppose us from actually obeying God. It is this body called the flesh that we wrestle with on a daily basis, right? And so as we flip over to the book of Psalms, chapter number 68, landing on verse number six, the word of God says, God set up the solitary in families. And I want to look at part A, right? Because again, we've talked about this particular scripture one point right and, and, and this is the thing god set it the solitary in 
families. And this word solitary in the Hebrew is defined as, as lonely. But one of the other definitions that stuck out to me as I was studying this thing was unique, right? Now, this is what I want you to understand. There were those of us, although you were in the midst of a crowd, you feel misunderstood. You feel people don't understand you. You feel like, hey, I'm, I'm the lone wolf or whatever the case may be. I, I rock better by myself. You understand? But yet God, with all his infinite wisdom, decided to sit you in the midst of a family because he understood you cannot function properly without a family, without the support and the love and encouragement of a family, without the discipline and the correction of a family. You need that as well as the touching of a family. You need this in order to survive and to have healthy relationships. You need this. So there were some of us, we feel so alone, although we have a family or support system around us, yet we feel so alone. Even though we have our clicks and have our crews, we feel so alone. Even though we can go to the basketball games and the football games and all these different particular things that we engage in, but yet we can still feel alone while still being surrounded by a bunch of people. We can still feel lonely. We can still feel as if we are alone. But one of the other words that stuck out to me in this study was God said it the solitary or one of the other Hebraic definitions for solitary is God said it the unique. Uh, you got to understand there is something unique about you that God has placed. There is a unique anointing. There is a unique identity and a unique purpose down on the inside of you where God saw fit in all of his infinite wisdom to set this in a particular family. That's why you are part of the Johnson family. That's why you were a part of the Flowers family. That's why you were part of the Nelson family. And that's why you were part of the Heckman family, because God saw there was a unique anointing upon you as a unique individual who has been shaped and molded by his word in his own image. I decided to sit you in this family because that family needs your anointing because you are going to be a chain breaker to stop, you know, generational and bloodline curses. I, they're going to stop with you. You understand? So, so he saw fit in all of his infinite wisdom to set you in the particular family that you're in. I I know some of your family members, you can't hardly stand them. Y'all, y'all, y'all don't understand one another. You hardly get along with one another. Uh, you, you, you despise when the family reunion time is coming up because you just dread the fact that I gotta see Sister Blue Coat or I gotta hear Brother Red Coat or Cousin Benny talk about, I just don't wanna hear it this year. You dread the fact that you have to go and deal with this particular family member. But understand, God set you in that family for that family member. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I know you and your mama don't get along that well, but God, 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 listen, before, 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 before you were ever created, God understood that, listen, you got to come through her womb, yes, because you got to be a part of this particular family, understand, because in all my infinite wisdom, I know better, this family needs the anointing that is upon your life. When you come and you submit yourself under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, they're going to need what I placed on the inside of you, what I placed on the inside of you, it is going to snap shackles and break chains off of individuals. It's going to cause them to be led in the kingdom of God, whether they were going astray and whether they were just doing, acting all willy-nilly. Understand, it is an anointing that I placed upon your life that is going to bring structure and order to their lives to help them understand, to come out of and break out of the confusion. But it's, it's, it's the anointing that is upon your life that will help them understand and walk and have peace, uh, not just in their mind, but in their heart. So, so understand, there was a reason why you are part of the family that you are a part of you understand 
So stop tripping about your family members and understand there was a greater purpose, even though, like I said, you have issues with some, stop tripping because there was a greater purpose of why you have been placed in the family that you have been placed in, why you were born in the time or the era that you were born in. It is God ordained, amen. It is God ordained, it is God ordained. So listen, he said it the solitary. Not just those who feel or think or believe that they're lonely or alone. Nah, I, I want you to get away from that. He says the unique, you are unique. You are a unique individual who has been created in the image of our heavenly father. And there is an anointing that is upon your life. And you got to understand whether well, it's an anointing to, 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 to demonstrate the mercy of God, the love of God, an anointing to destroy the yokes that the enemy tries to place upon individuals within your family. But yet there is an anointing. It may be an anointing for prosperity, right? And when we say prosperity, we're not just limiting this to money, right? We're talking about money, but we're talking about good health and all these different things that come with prosperity. So understand there may be an anointing on your life for prosperity to help break the chains and the snares of poverty and lack off of the lives and the mindsets of people within your family. Understand, that's why he sets you it's for a divine purpose. He set you in the particular family that he set you in. Amen. Okay. I hope you still got on, you know what I'm saying? Your gymnast shoes, right? Because uh, we're, we're not landing there. We're about to do some backflips over to the book of Proverbs, right? We're going over to Proverbs chapter number 29. Proverbs chapter number 29, verse number 25. Again, a very familiar passage of scripture. If y'all don't remember, I'm going to remind you, this is when we dealt with the trap house, right? This was our foundation of scripture where we talked about trap house. Uh, so understand, it says, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso put if his trust in the Lord shall be safe, right? The fear of man bringeth a snare. And if there's anything that you are fearful about, right? We tend to be fearful about the things we don't understand. We tend to be fearful about the things we don't know. We can't perceive. We can't really talk about, express about. We tend to be afraid of these things right here. Those things that we we, we lack the knowledge of being able to discuss it, to, to inform people about it, to let them know that, listen, I got a little bit of knowledge about this right here. And, and the truth be told, there are times, even when you have some knowledge about certain things, if you be real and if you be honest, you still got a little fear about some of the things that you're a little knowledgeable about. Understand? I got a little fear. Or, 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 let me put it like this here. I have a little knowledge about sharks, but you know, if, if, if I'm out there in the open water, God forbid there is a little, little, little drop of blood on me and it will listen, fear, it might just rise up and it might, well, truth be told, true story, you know, when, when we went snorkeling one time down uh, uh, in, in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, hey, my Latinas and Latinos. Hey, listen, snorkeling, listen, I, I, I'm from the hood. You know, I, I'm from the hood. And the, the, the closest I've ever been to snorkeling is when I laid back was in the bathtub and let the water cover my face. You understand that? I'm from the hood. I don't know anything about no snorkeling. The little, little, little guys in my mouth. And, you know, when I was trying to do it, the water guy came into my little thing. And, and I quickly began to panic. Like, oh, God, I'm about to drown. I'm about to drown. I'm about to drown because the water's in my mouth. And I said, my mouth. And I was trying to spit it out. So I came up and I was just trying to take off all my, oh, hold on. I got to get to the boat. 
in the midst of all of that, right? Because some water got into my little breathing tube, fear began to take over. And all of a sudden, when fear began to take over, instantly my mind went to the fact that, oh, there was a shark lurking because, you know, I did see the live fish swimming with me. And in my head, I was like, now this is really crazy that I'm swimming with real live fish. Well, all of a sudden, when that water came down my little breathing tube, fear began to take over and I quickly shifted to, oh, there was a shark. The shark gonna hit me, splashing, acting crazy. And automatically, my brain says, you better get back to the boat, right? So I just begin to swim, right? And I'm swimming on top of the water. You know, I can swim pretty good. You know, I, I can swim pretty good. And, and, and listen, I got my face, you know, I'm trying to do that professional swim where you got your face and you take so many strokes and then you, eh, you come up like this, mm, mm, eh, you know, I'm trying to do that, right? Mind you, the water has already gotten my little thing. I don't halfway pull the thing off my head, right? It's kind of sideways, like, so I'm trying to give you this thing. It's kind of sideways, the goggles and the bridge is sideways. It's no longer in my mouth. I'm just trying to, I got to get to the boat. And that's all I'm thinking, right? But uh, fear began to take over so bad that, listen, y'all, I swam right into the boat. Just, just boom, head first is bad. I almost knocked myself out, right? I'm so glad that God was there because I could have knocked myself out. I could have split my head open. The blood could have came out. I could have actually spent to the bottom and drowned myself because of fear. You see how fear has snared me to the fact that now I'm thinking about a shark is about to come. And, and I literally could have invited a shark because of all the water that I was splashing. But then not just that, the fact that I swam right into the boat and I put a good shiner on my forehead. But I was so glad that I didn't knock myself out. I was so glad that I didn't split my head and blood run down. I quickly climbed up and that boat was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I did give him a praise right down the boat. I don't care what y'all think with the shiner on my head. Thank you, Jesus. He saved my soul. So understand <laughs> the fear of man bringing for snare. See how the fear of an unknown situation but having a little bit of knowledge about something, that being the, the creature, the shark. But with my little bit of knowledge, it still brought the worst fear that it's going to come get me. So the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso put his trust in the Lord shall be safe. And the truth be told, as you could tell from the story, while I was in the water, my trust was not in the Lord. My trust was in my ability to swim back to the boat as quickly as possible. Right. And, and, and see how I put trust in myself. I put so much trust in myself that I forgot to look up while I was trying to do the professional swim. And I swam right into the boat and I almost knocked myself out. See, 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 when your trust is not in him, other things could happen. Things that you didn't plan on could happen and you can turn and kill yourself. That's what almost happened because of fear. Fear made me act impulsively. You know, we was talking about the power of decisions and choice. Fear influenced my decision that I made an impulsive decision. I made a fearful decision. Yeah, yeah, you understand? And it almost cost me. And I thank God the only thing that it cost me was a good shiner on my forehead. But I blessed his name once I got up in that boat. I took off all the flippers and everything. Get off. I'm, mm -mm, this is not for me. I need to stand in the water. The water needs to come to my knees. That's it. That's it. Only to my knees. That's it. So whenever we got in the beach while we remained there in Puerto Rico, the water just came to my knees. I, I said, I can't do this, Jesus. I can't do this. Can't fool with your other creatures. Like, mm -mm. So listen, 
These were two scriptures that I wanted you to see as I'm trying to set up where we're going, right? Uh, because we talked about the fear of man, right? And we talked about how God sets the solitary in families, right? Understand there is a unique anointing that God has placed you in a particular family for his divine purpose. And so the fear that we are talking about that tries to snares us today or the issue of the flesh that we're talking about that tries to snares us today is that of insecurity. And I feel this is a good place to ask the question, do you know somebody and can you relate that? Have you ever been there where you dealt with insecurity, insecurity, insecurity? Now, if we could get to the meat of my scripture, right? Listen, I hope you still got your gymnast shoes on because we're going to flip over to the book of Jeremiah, right? We're going to the book of Jeremiah and we're going to go to chapter number one, right? And we're going to land, we're going to flip and land on verse number one, right? Here's what God's word says, this is the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of a priest that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. Amen? We ain't got to scroll through yet, Mike. I'm, I'm, I'm about to just, I'm going to take my time right here, right? So understand, Jeremiah, we know, was a young, the theologians debate, he was between the ages of 16 and 20 years old when he was called as a prophet, right? And, and if you're going to know something about somebody, right, you need to know some things about them. What? That's simply facts, right? If you're going to know someone, you need to know some things about them, right? Simply facts. If you're going to know someone, you need to know some things about them, right? And let's look at, look at this right here. As we look at verse number one, it says the words of Jeremiah, right? And, and before I press on, the title of what we're working with on today is, you can't tell it like I tell it. No, you can't. You, you can't tell it like I tell it. And what I appreciate about this particular title as God gave it to me is this right here. These are the words of Jeremiah. The, his, his, the book bears his own name, right? Jeremiah has the opportunity to tell his story as God gave it to him, as he experienced it in life. He now has the opportunity to pen or with his assistant or secretary Barak, helping him pen what God gave him, this message that has been collected in the book of Jeremiah, he has the opportunity to tell his story. And can't nobody tell your story like you can tell your story, especially if you're willing to tell the truth. How uh, T-I is, this is how it is. This is what happened, the good, the bad, the ugly. All of that, he, 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 we see all of these different things that he encompasses inside of this particular book about his life, the persecution, uh, the times that he wept when he felt, uh, felt like God tricked him and felt like, but like God was lying to him and all of these different things, the times that he complained toward God, God, you called me to these people and these people are persecuting me. These people are coming against me based upon what you have called me to do, based upon what you have told me to speak to them, God. They hate the things that I'm speaking to them, although it is you that is telling me to speak it to them, God. Your people have an issue with me. I'm just the messenger and, and, and I'm heralding out. Listen, listen, it is better for you to obey than to disobey because if you obey, you can avoid this 70 years of captivity that's getting ready to take place, God. Why would you put such a word in my mouth, God, for a people who you already knew were not going to hear me, a people who were going to remain stiff-necked and hard-hearted, but yet you will put it in me to say something to them, God. 
No, I don't want to preach anymore. No, I don't want to speak to you anymore. And he tells us uh, it, it, the, the word of God is just like fire that is shut up in my bones. The more and more I try to close my mouth and not speak for you, God, your word will burn on the inside of me, God. And I just couldn't keep it to myself. I, I couldn't hold it to myself. I had to declare what does say the living God, regardless if you like it, regardless if you receive it. Listen, if you walk away, that's okay. I'm still going to do what God has called me to do. He called me to declare a message unto you, whether you were in earshot or whether you five miles away. I'm going to herald out what thus saith the Lord so I can be saved as I allow myself to be used as a vessel before God, unto God, so that the glory of God can be seen, right? Listen, you can't tell it like I tell it. And, and you know, we've heard the cliche, you, you see the glory, but you don't know my story. Yeah? You, you see where I am right now. I'm doing a whole lot better than I was seven years ago, but you don't know the story of what I went through from those seven years to get to where I am right now. You don't know the level of struggle, the level of persecution that I had to endure. You don't know the level of rejection that I suffered to be where I am. You don't understand the times that I felt lonely and misunderstood and I felt by myself and I felt like God was so far away from me, not just to mention people, but I felt like God was so far away. You don't know the times that I had to lay on the floor and cry and trust God and believe God. I laid on my face and then there was some mornings I had to get up and walk the floor. You don't understand the pressure that I was under all this time. You just see where I am right now man. and you some days you find yourself envying what's on my life and my life and who's in my life. But listen, you don't understand what I had to go through in order to have what's in my life, who's in my life. You don't know what I had to go through to get to this point. So you better be careful when you find yourself envying or thinking you want what I got. No, you don't understand the pressure that was placed upon me. You don't understand the sacrifices that were made. Oh, you don't understand the difficulties of having to believe and trust God for certain things. And I'm not just talking about tangible manifestations or tangible blessings. I'm talking about you don't understand the difficulties in walking out what God has called me to be and what he's called me to do. Some things it was downright difficult to do what God called me to do and be who God called me to be. Some days, I, if I can be honest, some days I wanted to conform to the world because it seemed like it was easier to live in the world than to live in the kingdom, God. There was a pressure, God, to live in the kingdom, God. Uh, all eyes, or you know, Tupac told us, all eyes on me. And as a kingdom man, you know, inside the kingdom of God, and as a woman inside the kingdom of God, listen, people are watching you. They're watching your character. They're watching how you respond. They're watching your actions and your deeds, all of these different things, right? So they're watching you and you do feel like all eyes are on you. I can't afford to make a mistake because you as a believer, you now understand and you know with a good sense, you understand what I do doesn't just affect me, but it affects everybody that's connected to me. So I have to be extra careful on the things that I do, where I go, who I interact with because of those that are behind me, those that are connected to me. I am not just living for me anymore, but I'm living for those oh God, who are hanging on my coattails, God, uh, for the doors that you will open for my life, God. I'm trying to drag and pull them through, God. So you don't understand the pressure in order to live right. So the glory of God, you don't understand the pressure to be a man of righteousness or a man of holiness that, 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 that you just see what you see right now.
But if you have to go behind the scenes and walk through that time frame, uh, you will shake your head many days and say, I don't know how you did it. Because the truth be told, I would be just like, I don't know how I did it other than God. It was nobody but God. It was nobody but God. I'm still here, like Travis Green said, because of God. I, 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 I made it because of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the enemy thought he had me down and out, listen, listen, it was nobody but God uh, who blocked the hands of the enemy, who stopped the plans and the tricks and the advancements of the enemy. It was nobody but God. I can't take any of the credit. When I wanted to give up and walk away, throw in the towel, it was nobody but God that threw the towel back and said, uh-uh, uh-uh, there was not a quitter on the inside of you. It's tough, but, but understand, I'm making you, I'm processing you, I'm molding you, I'm shaping you through this pressure right here, through this tough moment right here. The only way to get through it is just to go through it. There's no way of going around this. You can't go over this. You can't go, you won't have to go through this right here. Uh, so put on your big boy draws and put on your big girl draws and understand there is no other way you just got to go through it and while you're going through it say God help me while you're going through it say God keep me while you're going through it say come on God be with me while I go through this uh, you can't tell it like I tell it right and so if you're going to know someone you need to know something about them simply facts right as we go to Jeremiah says the words of Jeremiah the son of Hilkiah right so Jeremiah said us listen I am the son of Hilkiah of a priest that were in Anathar this is a bad somebody he was born into the lineage of a priest right but I understand why Jeremiah could be struggling with insecurities right because again the theologians debate whether or not he was called between the ages of 16 and 20 but I'm so glad, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that Aaliyah told us age ain't nothing but a number. Yes, I'm so glad. So it doesn't matter how young you are, God can use you still in your young age and it doesn't matter how old you are. Come here, Moses. And Moses at 80 years old, God began to use him in a mighty way. So understand, we see Samuel, the prophet Samuel, who was called at a young age. Matter of fact, one of the kings that was on the scene while Jeremiah was prophesying is by the name of Josiah who, who, who lost his parents at eight years old, but yet he was ruling the kingdom, the kingdom of Judah at eight years old. So don't tell me God can't use you at a young age. And too many times we allow the teenagers and the young children to make excuses that they're not old enough and they don't understand. Listen, Josiah was ruling the kingdom of Judah at the age of eight. Do you understand? He had service of grown men bowing down to him, taking instruction, taking order from him. He had to have people around him who heard the voice of God that they can give him godly counsel and godly wisdom, but yet the final word will have to come out of his mouth, the eight-year-old. don't matter how old you are, because I'm going to say it again. Aaliyah told us that age ain't nothing but a number, so get past your age and just open up and become a vessel that God can use you. Stop talking about how young you are and how old you are. No, 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 no. God can still use you. God wants to use you. Hmm. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah. Now, this became very interesting to me. He's telling us uh, who he comes from, right? I come from Hilkiah, right? Uh, uh, of the priests that were in Anathoth. I come from Hilkiah. Hilkiah is my father, whose name means Jehovah, or my portion is Jehovah. My portion is Jehovah, right? If you're going to give me anything, give me God. If you're going to get anything, give me the Lord. If you're going to give me anything, give me the strong tower. If 
if you're going to give me anything, give me the God of love. If you're going to give me anything, give me the God of peace. If you're going to give me anything, give me the great deliverer. If you're going to give me anything, give me the savior of the whole world. He is my portion. Everything else is not involved when it compares to him. Nothing and no one compares to him. So if you're going to give me any type of portion, give me the Lord Jesus Christ. Give me Jehovah. Give me Yahweh. So you're going to understand. He's telling you who I come from. My daddy was a priest and he comes from the lineage of priests. Not only does he tell us who he comes from, he tells us what he comes from. I come from a lineage of priests and I can understand why he may be struggling with insecurities, right? Because uh, understand my, my great great grandfather was a priest and my great great grandfather was a priest and my, my great grandfather was a priest and my granddaddy was a priest and my daddy was a priest and I saw how devoted men they were before God and I saw how loyal they were to the call of God upon their life and I saw the anointing on their life as they served in the temple as they served the people of God oh as a young man who's struggling and I can understand his mindset he's saying or maybe thinking listen I haven't had a chance to live yet y'all are old men doing this thing I, I still got a lot of living before me listen that's some things that I want to get involved in that's some things that I want to do before I come do what God is calling me to do before I start serving in the temple. I understand. I want to be have the opportunity to sow some wild oats. Uh, come talk to me, Eddie. Yeah, I, I want the opportunity to sow some wild oats. You understand what I'm saying? I want to get out there and do some things. I want to go clubbing a little bit. I want to whore around just a little bit. I want to play games just a little bit. I want to turn up just a little bit. I want to turn some bottles up just a little bit. I want to smoke some ales just a little bit. Give me the opportunity to act the fool just a little bit. You had your opportunity. And maybe, maybe, maybe he was thinking, well, listen, 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 because of how old you are right now, uh, you passed your prime. I understand your prime has passed you by. So that's why you loving God. That's why you serving God, because you're too old to do anything else. Yeah, listen, I, I got all my strength. I'm a young man. I'm just getting started. You, you, you well past the prime. Eh? So, so why, why, why are you trying to float my boat? Why, why are you trying to bring me down? I talk about there is a call of God and all these different things. See, it's one thing to be born in the lineage of priests, but something altogether different when God has called you, ordained you to be that of a prophet. Hmm. Uh, now you got this dual nature of a divine call uh, in the lineage of a priesthood, uh, but yet God has called you to be a prophet, a mouthpiece, one that would declare the voice and the messages of God to the people. So he tells us, right? Uh, who he comes from, what he comes from, and then he tells us where he comes from. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because if you're going to know somebody, you have got to know some things about them. Simply facts. Uh, oh, you, 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 you got to understand. He tells us where he come from. I am of a priest that were in Anathoth. Anathoth was like the little town or a little city uh, in the land of Benjamin, designated for the Levitical priest, designated for the Aaronic priest that they would have with the priests. Uh, only the priests live here, right? This land is specifically for the priests, right? And so this is where Jeremiah is born, where Jeremiah would spend a lot of his time, right? Here as God would then move him out to do what he's called him to do. And 
Anathoth, Anathoth, Anathoth in the Hebrew is defined as answers to prayer or simply put answered prayer. Uh, I understand why he deals with some of the insecurities that he deals with because of his age and because of the people who's come before them, how well they might have walked out the call of a priest. And now you mean to tell me I got to come behind you? You mean to tell me I got to try to fill your shoes? Do you know somebody and can you relate? Uh, you talk noise about your mama, but the truth be told, your mama made it happen. You know different times you looked into the cupboard and wasn't no food there, but miraculously your mama made a meal appear out of nowhere. Uh, you don't want to talk to me, but I'm going to talk to you. You understood it wasn't no money, but yet yeah, you still had clothes on your back. You still had shoes on your feet. You still had food on your table. You still had water to wash your dirty face because mama made it happen. You don't understand God was anointing her to be a miracle worker, to work with small things and, and make these small things turn into large things to feed a family of six and a family of seven. And if you go back even further, some of them were families of 13 and, and 15 and all of this. And mama had an anointing on her to stretch some stuff, uh, uh, to make things big that, that just wasn't there. You trying to scratch your head and figure out where did this come from right here? She learned a trick by watching Big Mama. She learned a trick by watching Madea, all these different people that you don't want to sit at their feet and learn some stuff by. She learned how to stretch, but more importantly, she learned how to pray. I know you think your mama is a hot mess. And if your mom is honest, she might agree with you. I'm a hot mess. But what she failed to tell you is one of the other things that she learned from Big Mama and my dear them is I learned how to pray. I learned how to trust God. I learned how to depend on God. I learned how to say, God, I stretch my hand to thee. No other help I know but you, God. I learned how to put my trust in him. I learned how to call on his name. When we had a situation at the home, for I learned how to put my trust in the word of God to stand flat put it permanently upon the word of God yeah and God would teach me something he's taught me some things even when I dealt with a raggedy man some days and so you understand he still taught me how to abide he still taught me how to be here he taught me he still taught me how to coexist and he still taught me how to submit he still taught me how to pray for the person that I thought would well, I'm my enemy you're not gonna help me but I'm gonna help you uh, so I can understand why Jeremiah is dealing with some of the insecurities uh, looking at the fact that who he must come after the shoes that he must fill that came before him right listen but listen to this uh not only does he tells us who he comes from and what he comes from he now tells us where he comes from Anathoth is defined in the Hebrew as uh, it is it's, it's, it's what answers to prayer or simply answer prayer so I come from the place of answer prayers hmm. i know insecurity is trying to hover over me but see this is where uh, you can't tell it like i tell it insecurity you don't understand where i come from i come from the place of answer prayers oh and if i'm still listen 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 i don't want you to be discouraged because i understand everybody didn't grow up in church like some of us did but this is what you got to understand whether you grew up in church or not listen the lord jesus christ is making intercession for you the holy ghost is making a session for it. So still you come from a place of answer prayer. Uh, you got to remember when Christ was on the cross and his arms were stressed out. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That wasn't momentarily, but it is a prayer that has been echoing throughout all of eternity. God forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm talking about when you sin and before you sin, making plans to actually sin. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So understand you come from a place of answered prayers. 
How blessed his wonderful name is a bad somebody. He just don't know it as of yet because of who he comes from. You got to understand who you come from. You ain't came from no perfect man, but you're coming from a man of God. Ah, your daddy was in the things of God. Yeah. And you, one thing you can say is I learned how to pray because I saw my daddy pray. Yeah. I watched my daddy walk the floor back and forth. I watched and heard my daddy call on the name of God. And if your daddy was not present, thank God that you had a mother that you saw walking the floor you heard praying unto God calling on the name of Jesus saying God help me Lord help me thank God that you saw someone that has given you an example to call on the name of Jesus to put your trust in the name of Jesus so listen listen uh you better stop downplaying who you come from mm. some things have been established in your lineage simply because of who you come from so he tells us who he comes from what he comes from. Now, I understand everybody doesn't come from a lineage of priests. Some of you are coming from a lineage of horse. Yes, I said it because I'm preaching to myself. I came from a lineage of horse on both sides. Yes, 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 yes. I'm coming from some players on both sides. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I even had some pimps in the midst of the family. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I had some alcoholics in the family. Yes, I did. I had some people who struggled with addiction. Yes, I did. I had many folk who struggled with poverty and lack. Oh, but on the flip side of what I'm coming from, uh, you got to understand where I come from. Even though we dealt with addiction, even though we dealt with whoredom, even though we dealt with perversion, even though we dealt with lust, even though we dealt with lying, even though we dealt with uh, uh, unforgiveness and bitterness and all of this, I cannot forget where I come from. I come from a place called answer prayers. You got to understand yeah, as messed up as some of us were, God has set one. He set up the solitary in the midst of the family. He set one with a unique and anointed inside the family line before I ever got here and they were praying oh, God don't let this baby be messed up by what they see God God don't let this baby be affected by what was done to them God even though they don't understand why they uncle touched them God but God use it for your glory God don't let them have a bitter heart God don't let them have an unforgiving heart let them be able to forgive and move past this God so that the glory of God can be revealed oh, thank God for the one that he set in the bloodline before you got here so as you were being raised up in the things of God and when the enemy was attacking you while you was a young child God God had somebody on the wall. He had a watchman on the wall that was praying in the midst of the evil influences that the enemy was releasing in your life. God had a watchman praying for you, covering you in prayer. You come from the place called answer prayer. See, you don't even understand how bad you are. This is why we can talk to insecurity. See, you can't see. I can't tell your insecurity like you can tell it, because you understand what it is that you're insecure about. Now, now, see, I don't preach myself happy. Calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down. Listen, this is what insecurity is defined as, right? We define insecurity simply as this definition number one. It talks about the state of being unsafe. When you're unsecure, definition number one helps us understand I'm insecure anytime I'm in a state of being unsafe. Anytime I feel as if I am unsafe, uh, he's letting me know or, 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 or the dictionary is letting me understand that this is a moment of being insecure anytime I don't feel safe, right? And this is what I want you to understand. Anytime you're not in God, uh, you understand in the kingdom of God, uh, covered in his blood or by his blood, uh, you remain in a place of insecurity. 
security. You are outside of God, which is security because he lets us know that I'm your strong tower. I'm your shield and I'm your buckler. I'm your high tower. I'm your defense. He gives us all these particular names indicating how he protects us, shields, you know, protects us or circles or encamps about us, all these different things, right? But when you fail to be in God, you are actually operating in a place of insecurity. He is the place of security. So definition number one is the state of being unsafe. So anytime I feel unsafe, this is me dealing with operating, flowing in insecurity. Definition number two, lacking insecurity of safety, which kind of piggybacks off of definition number one, right? Because you can be places and not feel safe. But then what about when you get to your own place, the place that you're familiar with, your, your place of residence, the place that you're by, and, and, and you're lacking security or safety? Uh, I'm talking about you locked all the locks, the windows are locked, but yet you still keep hearing the noise off in the distance. And, and you're saying, what is that? You know, especially when you're trying to pray and you hear this little noise in the distance, you're like, oh. In that moment, you just became insecure because of a noise that you heard on the distance. It's showing that you're lacking in security or safety, right? Or definition number three, not safe from attack, right? So anytime you fall prey to attack, it just shows that you are body in a place of insecurity when you yield to the attack of the enemy. It shows that you have been operating in a place of insecurity. Now, when we get to definitions number four and number five, these, these definitions I, I, I like, I like, it says lacking self-confidence. Uh, and usually when we talk about insecurity, this is kind of where we landed right here. Lacking self-confidence. This is why so many of us live according to the... Uh, you know what this is. If you're familiar with Facebook or, or the tweet, the Tweety Bird or the ticking and the talking and all that, you're familiar with these things right here. You live according to the thumbs up or you live according to the likes or you live according to the responses that people give you on social media. That's why so much of your time is spent on social media, but you have failed to realize through your insecurities that social media, what they deem to be social, has taught you to be very much unsocial. No, you don't really socialize like that. You're talking to a bunch of folk you don't even know who've been labeled as friends and you halfway know them. It's about how many friends I can get, how many followers I can get, how many likes I can get, how much support I can get, how much activity I can get going on my page or on my channel, all these different things that has got you rather, but you really don't tell nobody. At the end of the day, after you've done all your editing, your posts and made your corrections to your post and, and, and you, you did all your proper filtering on all your images because you never show nobody the real you. You always show them when you're having a quote-unquote good time. You always show them with things are 100% good in your life. Now, I will dare to venture out here. Some of y'all are, 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 are crazy enough to show people, you know, when you laid up in a hospital bed with a tube all up, you know, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, you, you know, you try to reap some sympathy 
empathy from folk out there, some empathy for folk out there. Y'all pray for me. It is not. Uh, nobody got to see that. Just tell folk to pray for you. You understand? It, it again shows us your addiction to this thing right here and how you have to be fair. Your, your, your ego has to be fair. Your self-esteem has to be fair by thumbs up and likes and comments based upon a bad ordeal that you've been dealt with. Understand? Bad things are still going to happen. God ain't never tell us because you got to say bad things are not going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. But in the midst of these bad things happening, we still pray. We still trust God and believe what God has said. So lacking self-confidence or assurance. Uh, you know, sometimes we, we tend to have too much self-reliance. We rely on ourselves. You are assured that you can get the job done because you know you. But the truth is, you know what you also know about you is you know how raggedy you can be. You know how undisciplined you can be. You know how you can fail to not come through. You understand, you, you, you can just mess some things up. You understand that this flesh that I deal with, this enemy, it is prone to sin. It is prone to messing up, right? So I can't put no assurance in myself when I'm prone to error, when I'm prone to mess it up, right? But a lot of times you make this dreaded mistake of putting too much confidence in you, even though you actually lack confidence in you. You figure, well, I'm not going to let me down. I can trust me. Even though some days I don't like me, I can still trust me, though. Because I am for me. <laughs> I do have my back. I do want to see me succeed. I do want to be prosperous. I, I do want to come out of this. You understand? There were some days I'm willing to do what it takes, and then I get it. There were some days I'm not willing to do what it takes. I'm willing to do halfway or almost what it takes. But Brandy told us almost doesn't count. I don't know why, y'all. You got to understand. I preached from my experiences, y'all. That was my experiences when I was a heathen back in my heathen days. That was my experience. You don't understand? But almost doesn't count listen 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 my wife is laughing listen or definition number five the ancient the anxiety that you feel right the anxiety you feel when you feel vulnerable and insecure insecure is also defined as the anxiety you feel when you feel vulnerable and what was the last time you showed your vulnerability because the truth be told you're always vulnerable. If you were not, you would not have felt the reason to build those walls up around you. You know, with, you know, with things like anger or isolation. I just don't, I just don't want to be bothered with nobody right now. Laziness, being lethargic, you know what I mean? All these things are nothing but walls that you walled yourself in. Pride, being conceited and arrogant. These are nothing but walls you've walled yourself in because the reality, you feel insecure. And, and, and you feeling insecure, it brings this feeling of anxiety to you that, listen, you feel anxious about having to perform when you get around folk. You understand? The truth be told, when I'm walking and operating insecure, I'm not being who God has called. I'm not being the real me. Guess what? The real you is going to have some issues. The real you is going to have some mess ups, right? So just go ahead and be you. But you're so busy trying to be perfect when you come around certain folk because there's only one way that you want them to see you as. And this is why we say changing faces. 
right? You just changing faces. You got a face for those of us that you deal with in the church. You got a face for your family. You got a face for your family at the, at the, at the family reunion. You got a face for your coworkers. You got a face for your children. You got a face for your significant other. You got a face for different groups of people that you deal with. So listen, the anxiety you feel when you feel vulnerable and insecure. So he said in verse number two, right? After he tells us, you know, uh, 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 who he comes from, what he comes from, and where he comes from, he said, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign, right? So he's given us a, he's given us an image, a glimpse into his life. Listen, I was prophesying while Josiah was king, right? And I prophesied through the lives of his children as well. So listen, for 40 years, I was doing this thing successfully before God. Yes, in the 40 years, I had moments where I wanted to throw in the tower. I felt like God lied to me. I did not want to prophesy no more. I wanted to shut my mouth. Listen, there were even moments where I was complaining like, I'm so sick of these people. But for 40 years, I did it, God. He said it all. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year. Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem, captive in the fifth month. Mind you, he prophesied uh, 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 Israel being taken captive right, into Babylon for 70 years. He prophesied this. And so he's giving us this glimpse, right? Now, when we get to verse four, verse four through verse uh, uh, number eight gives us a discourse between Jeremiah and God. He said, then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, now when the word of the Lord comes unto you and it is speaking, what is your response to the word of God? What action are you going to take when the word of God comes? Because God is not just speaking, just to be speaking. Uh, everything God does, he does it because because there was an intent behind it. There was a purpose behind it. Uh, uh, Travis Green told us he's intentional. So understand, he has intent. There was good reason why he spoke to you, not just to reveal something to you. Uh, nine times out of 10, God reveals something to you because uh, uh, the thing that I revealed is the thing that you got to work on in your life. Uh, this is the thing that needs attention. It needs to change in your life. That's why I was speaking when I was speaking. And nine times out of 10, when I'm speaking, what I'm speaking, it is to bring a level of correction, a level of discipline to you so you can change this. Ah, what I found out about God, for those of us, especially those of us who are intellectual, analytical, and analytical, I should say, God will speak words to you that will offend your intelligence because he's trying to reveal to you what the nature of your heart is. Yeah, what am I really saying? He will insult your intelligence by some of the things that he says because uh, your, little, your little mind can't comprehend what he just said, so he insults your intelligence to show you that nature or the manner of where your heart is. You talk about how submitted you are. You talk about how much you love the love, love God's word. But when the word comes, uh, I'm talking about when the word comes, when he said, listen, 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 your heart, uh, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. So when the word comes that wants to deal with your heart, you... Well, what is, what is he trying to say? I didn't know that. No, you understood what he said. You understood. He's trying to tell you don't honor him with your heart. Oh, you talk a good game that you love God and you want God and you want to please God. But your heart, the place where the actions and the decisions are made, it is showing something entirely different. 
So when the word of the Lord comes, what is your response and what is your reaction? Uh, this is this discourse, right? So he says, before, this is God now telling him, he said, God says what? Before I formed thee in the belly. Be, listen, God was saying, before there was a such thing as time, I was ahead of time. I got in front of time. And, and listen, before I actually formed you in the belly, I, this is what I want you to know. I knew you. See, he has to talk in, in, in words that we understand. I'm going to put some time on it for you to understand because I'm a God that exists in eternity. I exist outside of time. So talking in past this, listen, listen, you understand that. I'm the God that was, isn't, is to come. I Listen, I just am. I, 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 I just am. I just exist. You understand? It's just, listen, there is no beginning to me. There is no ending of me. I, I just am. You are the one who are bound by time. So let me talk to you in a manner that you understand. Let me put time constraints on the language so you understand so i got to talk to you listen uh, 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 listen before i formed deep past tense and then belly, i knew thee. i got ahead of time that you're familiar with he said and before thou came and spoke out of the womb i sanctified past tense i sanctified thee so before you actually came out, remember we just told you, right? Over in Psalms, he set up the solitary in families. He said, I sanctified thee. Sanctified means to be set apart. I, 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 with all my infinite wisdom, I decided best for you to be in this family and this particular time era. Yeah, so understand you, you were born when you were born. You came forward when you came forward because of the wisdom of God. Because you got to understand, you were already created before your birthday. Your birthday is just an actual manifestation when you got here, but you were already here before your birthday. You already existed in the thought or the mind of God. That's why he can say, before I formed the inability, I knew you. I knew everything about you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I had already set you apart. Now, this is what he's saying to Jeremiah, because I don't want you to think God is calling you no prophet. God ain't calling everybody no prophet. But he did say in the last days that he would pour spirit upon his sons and daughters that they would prophesy. Now, it, it would be good that we all prophesy. I didn't say it would be good that we were all called prophets. I said it would be good that we all prophesy. The more of us that prophesize, the more unity, the more edification it brings to the body. He then says, I ordain, past tense, the prophet unto the nations. I have ordered this call upon your life. No, you can't give it away. No, you can't give it up. No, you can't get away from it. No, you can't get around it. So whatever God has ordained you to be, you can't get away from it. And, and, and this is what's so crazy. Uh, we try to act like, well, if I don't give any attention to what he's called me, then it's not going to be. What a great deception. Because all the creation understands 
who and what he's called you to be. That's where all the creation responds to who and what he's called you to be. You're the only one trying to ignore who and what he's called you to be. But all the creation has enough sense to call you and to treat you who he called you to be and what he's called you to be. That's why the attack is so great on some of you, even though God has called some of you a prophet or prophetess, an evangelist, a pastor, a minister, apostle, and you're not yet currently walking in it, but that's why the attack is so great because of all of creation, whether natural creation or spiritual creation, it is responding to you, it is reacting to you based upon who they know God called you to be, who God created you to be, and what he has ordained you to do. That's why it responds to you the way it responds. That's why the attack is so great, and you feel like you're about to lose your mind trying to figure out why this stuff keeps happening to me. I mean, why the attack is so great? Because even though you're not being who God calls you to be, all the creation understands who you are. So it must, in its obedience to God, it must respond and it must react to who they know God has called and ordained you to be. He said, listen, this said I, ah, Lord God, I behold, I cannot speak for I am a child. And we see the insecurities rising up in him. He begins to deal with his age. And I remind you, Leo told us age ain't nothing but a number. Listen, God in his infinite wisdom understood whether you 16 or 20, whether you 17, 18, 19, whatever the case may be, you're ready. Yeah, you're ready. You don't think you're ready, but you're ready. That's why I'm coming at the appointed time that I'm coming because you're ready. It don't feel like it. It doesn't seem like it because your mind is trying to tell you I'm not good enough. I can't do it like my daddy did it and I can't do it like my granddaddy did it or my great granddaddy did it. I'm not asking you to do it like them. I'm asking you to be you. I'm not asking you to be them. I'm asking you to be you. I'm asking you to do it how I designed it for you to do it. Listen, I'm going to use you and through your personality as you yield to the spirit of God and allow me to use you as an instrument or vessel in my hand. I will use you the way I see fit to use you in my hand. So stop worrying about you not going to do it like this person and that. Just be you. Why just be you? Because everybody else is taken. You only have one option that is to be you. But be you in the hand of God. Be you yielded in the hand of God. Be you submitted in the hand of God. Be you willing in the hand of God. That's all we need for you to just be yielded to God. He said, ah, I, I cannot speak. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? The one thing that you're saying you can't do is it's everything that God's saying you will do. Uh, this is the thing I call you to do. The very thing that you crying, I don't know how to speak. Yes, you do. I called you to be my mouthpiece. And, and see, I'm, I'm so glad God is who he is. The Lord said, listen, uh, but the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child, but thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Stop talking about you, a child. I just need you to do what I'm telling you to do. Stop trying to make an excuse for yourself because of your insecurities. And see, that's what I found now. Because of our insecurities, we try to make excuses for ourselves, uh, which finds you or puts yourself in a place where you begin to lie to yourself. And when you lie to yourself, we've already found out that lying is connected to failure. And this is why you fail at so many other things that you fail at because you're so busy lying to yourself. You're talking about you want to complete this task and you want to do this. But if you wanted to do it, you would just get like Nike. 
can't do it. Stop lying to yourself. Well, I'm trying. Well, how, how long are you going to linger in this place of trying and, and just, just deal with it? Stop trying all the time and just start doing some stuff. You understand? Get a schedule and manage your time. Make a budget and manage your money. You know what? Invite God into your day. Invite God into your choices and decisions. Do some things differently because what you have been doing has not been working. So you ought to be willing to change some things. Uh, it's what we call you got to make them what? Adjustments. Go ahead and make some adjustments. Invite God in. Okay, God, I tried and I messed it up. You give me the direction, God. You give me the instruction. You tell me what to do, God. But you're too afraid to do that. But listen, he, he said, stop talking about your child. Stop trying to flow and operate in your insecurities because anytime you flow in your insecurity, anytime you're feeling like you're going to be attacked because he understood as the prophet, he could see. So he knew he was going to be attacked and persecuted for being a messenger of God. We would try to use it as an excuse. Well, they're going to tell me, they're going to be, I'm not going to be received. So what? Whether you think you're going to be received or not, the question God really wants to know is, are you going to obey? It doesn't matter whether or not they receive you. What I got am looking at, I'm looking at the fact, will you obey what I'm speaking concerning your life? So stop flowing in your insecurities because when you flow in your insecurities, you begin to make excuses for yourself. Which you begin to lie to yourself, which this is why you consistently find yourself in a place of failure, not accomplishing anything. Now, thank you, Holy Spirit. Well, the Bible says it's hope deferred, making the heart sick, right? This is why most of us have a sick heart. You keep putting hope in you, a liar. You keep lying to yourself and you keep putting hope because you feel like, well, no, I can count on me. You're so self-reliant and you got so much assurance in yourself, but you're not willing to be honest with yourself and talk about how you keep lying to yourself. Failure is only happening because of you, not because of the outside things. It's happening because of you, what you are unwilling to do, what you're unwilling to say, what you're unwilling to tell yourself the truth. Failure keeps happening because of me, that in the me, not, not the people on the outside, the how it keeps happening because of me listen god says so he you speak what i tell you then he said he said be not afraid of the face before i'm with thee to deliver thee said the lord don't you be afraid because here we go again when you deal with those insecurities part of it is the fear and we're so worried about what this what their faces are going to say what they're going to look like will they receive me accept me or will they reject me but he tells, he said, I'm with you. Whether they never walk beside you, behind you, around you, for you, I'm with you. And see, I'm reminded when Elisha told, you know, God opened up my surface now so he could see that there is more for us than those that are against us. And see, sometimes you need God to open your eyes so you can see if God is with me, that is more than enough than they that come against me. Those that will try to come up against the call of God, come up against the anointing of God, not just the call and the anointing, but those that try to come against the assignment that God has called me to inside this family, inside this particular time and this time of error. God, everything that is coming against my assignment, the assignment that you placed upon my life, I need to remember, remind myself, God, there is more with me, God, because you said you were with me than those that oppose me, those that come, God, to try to hinder, stop, or block me, God. I have more working for me than that that is working against me. Greater is he. Uh, I'm trying to remind you, greater is he that is in me than he that is within the world. 
There is a greater presence that is at work on the inside of me. Even when the enemy tries to rise up, I find myself yielding to the greater presence. That is the spirit of the living God. Oh, and see, every now and then you need to allow the Holy Spirit to put his foot on the neck of your enemy. You, the enemy, now crucify this flesh. Kill this flesh. Bring it subject. Holy Ghost, whatever you got to do, bring this flesh subject that I can obey, that I can yield myself, that I can find myself walking out the will of God. This is what I like. He said, because I'm about to get out y'all. He says, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And see, some of you, you don't talk right. You still don't talk right. And God got to help you with your speech. Yeah, yeah this is just the way I am. This is just how I, see, I'm, I'm going to talk about me. I'll be telling my, stop trying to change me. You can't change me. Let God change me. Let God change me when he wants to change me. But until God changes me, you got to deal with me. You understand? That's how some of us want to act and just show I just act a fool. I'm guilty. I'm like, stop trying to change me. But do you understand when the word comes, Jeremiah told me, he said, and the word of the Lord came unto me. The word comes to do what? Convict you. It comes to confront you. It also comes to what? Challenge you. But more importantly, it comes to change you. Oh, so understand, God knew when he sent this word, he was trying to convict Jeremiah, challenge Jeremiah, confront Jeremiah, but more importantly, change Jeremiah. I got to pull you out of this place of insecurity that you can be the best of the mouthpiece that I need in this moment. So the Lord put forth this and it touched his mouth. See, God needed to touch some of your mouth so your speech would change. So you can stop, you know, giving us a mouthful of excuses. So you can stop lying all the time. Talking about you want God. Talking about you available. Talking about you want to be used by God. Talking about you love God. No, something is wrong with you that you believe your lies. Something is wrong with you. God has got to touch your mouth so that your speech, your language will change. We tired of the language of lies, the language of excuses, the language of insecurity, the language of being lazy, the language of being rebellious. No, God has got to touch your mouth that your language and your speech will change. He said, after he touched my mouth, the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. It's not good enough for you to have your words in your mouth. You need the word of the Lord in your mouth. Because too many days, how many times you told yourself you was going to make it? And you lied to yourself. I'm coming out of this. I'm coming out of this. You thought you was going to come out when you spoke it, but you remained in it for three more years. It wasn't until God decided to bring you out. It wasn't until you decided to call upon God and God brought you out. He spoke in one word. Change your whole life. One word change your whole situation. One word change your whole destiny around. One word change your purpose in your life. You need the word of the living God. Hmm. And see, there is no cry. The Bible lets us know there has come, come a famine in the land. And we're not talking about a famine for food, but it is going to be a famine for the word of God. You're not going to have people crying out for the word of God. But oh, when I hear that and I read that, I say, God, keep me, God. When the famine arises, God, let there still be a cry in my heart, God. I need your word, God, because your word is life to me, God. I need your word, God. It gives me reason to live, God, to breathe, God. I have 
been created by your word, God. I have been shaped by your word, God. I am who I am because you are who you are, God. You're the I am. So let me simply put it like I am because you're the I am, God. I am because you're I am, God. So I need your word, God. You need his word. God then tells Jeremiah after he touches him and then he tells him, I put my words in your mouth. He said, now see, look, perceive, know, understand. And that's the thing. We don't take the time to see, to witness, to perceive, to know, to understand what God said. There was a manifestation attached to it. I have this day, after touching his mouth and then putting his words in the mouth, he said, I, this day, I have set thee over the nations. Now, mind you, he, as a, though he was called to a prophet, he had not yet exercised his prophetic authority as of yet, speaking to kings and diplomatic individuals. He has not exercised this yet. But just because he has not exercised it yet or the opportunity has not presented himself or the moment has not come where he's supposed to speak and declare to kings what God said, it does not mean that it had not happened. See, the natural realm had to catch up with the spiritual realm, what God said. Because God said, this day, I have already set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. And when you understand the name of Jeremiah, uh, uh, they, 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 the theologians debate, there are many different meanings that his name can mean, right? And, and some is this right here, Jehovah is high. His name either means Jehovah is high or exalted, or Jehovah is exalted. Jehovah is high or Jehovah is exalted. Uh, number two, Jehovah throws or Jehovah casts, meaning, you know, God can throw you like he threw Jeremiah into an uncertain situation. At least it was uncertain to Jeremiah. God knew what the outcome was going to be. He can throw you into a violent situation, which he threw Jeremiah into a violent situation. He knew Jeremiah was going to be persecuted, but he also understood the makeup of Jeremiah could handle being thrown into this violent situation. I made you in my image and what I put in you will cause you to endure what I threw you inside of unexpectedly. When you talk about God throws, it also talks about how we see here in this verse, God throws down. So when God throws or God casts, it can also mean reference to God throwing down nations or God casting down nations is what the name could also uh, uh, mean, right? And then the last, Jehovah has appointed or Jehovah has established. And one thing we know about God, God appointed or God called him, God established him as a and he said, I have appointed or set you over nations to root out. And over the kingdom to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. It was established before Jeremiah ever got here, before he manifested himself on his birthday. It was already established in the mind of God. This is what you're going to do. Listen, nobody can't tell it like you tell it. The good, the bad, the ugly beautiful, the lovely. 
You just got to be bold enough to tell it. It's amazing what God can do with your story. Because like they say, you don't know my story. You just see the glory. Well, if you want somebody to know your story, be willing to tell it. Tell them. Tell, parents, don't be afraid to tell your children how you messed up. Because what I'm learning, your children think you think, think you think that you are so perfect because you got Jesus now. And even though you're sprinkling it every now and then how you messed up, you tend to talk about your past. Uh, but they need to hear you talk about your current or your present mess ups. Uh, and talk about how you had to go repent yesterday. And talk about how you had to go repent this morning. God, I need you to wash me. I need you to forgive me, God. I said the wrong thing. I acted the wrong way, God. They don't need to hear about what you did when you were in college. We're sick of hearing about your college days. You 20 years past removed from being in college. Talk about your issues right now. Today, we're sick of that. How you helping somebody always talking about your past? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying your past failures, your past mess ups can't help somebody because it can't. But what your children and other people know about you right now, you still a human 20 years later. They know you still wrestle with issues 20 years later. And they understand you are not Jesus' first cousin. You ain't got no wings glued to your back. You ain't got no halo over your head. You a man or woman just like them. And what they know about that is, listen, you prone to sin just like me. Now, I'm sick of you sin all my stuff, but you don't want to tell me nothing about what you messed up. That's why I appreciate the Apostle Paul. And I appreciate our Apostle, Apostle Leonard. Right when a pastor doesn't mess up, he or uh, does something, he, I, I, he said, I run and go tell it because I'm going to beat the devil telling it because he's not going to tell the truth. I'm going to tell the whole truth. See, I've learned to appreciate that. It helped me in my own life. Go tell it. Two weeks ago, when Pastor Ivan was talking about this envy, <laughs> that's nothing we was talking about this envy and being entitled, man. Uh, right after he did Bible study, I was talking to him. I ran and told him, I said, man, God didn't even deal with me about that when I spoke the word on Sunday. And I've never been the type of person where I was jealous of envious of people. At least so I didn't think. But God spoke something to me that struck me in the core of my being. It took me back to those days when apostle was preaching those hard words and I would get mad at the word like, because mm, that word was exposing me. It was dealing with me. It was showing me the true nature of who I was and where I was. Pastor Ivan ain't yelled nothing. He, you know how he's a, he's a treacher. He's a treacher. He's a teacher preacher. So he was teaching, explaining this thing. And when he said what he said about that envy, that thing hit me in the middle of my forehead. It's like anger starts sitting right here in my forehead. I was pissed that they were like, what the fuck is this? But as soon as he finished, I, I hurry up and called. Man of God, when you said this right here, the spirit of anger came right here in my head because I was mad because it reminded me of what God just told me two days ago. And I shared with him what God said to me. Of how I was struggling with envy. It was masked behind motivation. Oh, y'all don't want to talk to me. A lot of times it's envy masked behind motivation. You try to use someone else's accomplishment to motivate yourself. 
Oh no, oh no. Because God has people who have truly accomplished some things that can truly motivate you, but you never chose them for your motivation. You chose someone else who you didn't think life was in order enough to accomplish what they just accomplished. And the truth be told, you ain't think their life was in order to accomplish it before you accomplished it. So now you want to talk about, well, I'm going to use it as motivation. No, it is mask envy. It's what it is. And I had to eat that thing. And I said, God, I repent. Help me. Deliver me from envy, God. You understand? <laughs> so listen, you can't tell it like I tell it. So that's me telling you a portion of my life. And I just hope that the word has encouraged you on today. Amen. Amen.